0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the After Effect Podcast. I am your host, Brian Stefan. What you could call me, LBZ, Boogie, Big Brian, Brad Brian, B-Ron, Brian, LB, Barani. Welcome to episode 48. We have a very, very, very special guest. Dr. Anthony Ferguson is on the show today. Baltimore native. Um, had a short career at the University of Iowa playing football before he decided to walk away from the game. Since Stan has got a master's degree, let me make sure I get this right.
1: Uh, I
0: thought I wrote it down. Master's degree in mental health counseling and a doctorate in educational leadership. He is currently the executive director of equity, inclusion, and diversity at West Des Moines Community Schools. Super. Uber excited to have him on. We were teammates for one year, of course. Uh, Kevin touched on social media over the years. He's doing amazing things in the Des Moines, Iowa community. Has uh, been a staple um, as far as mental health and and uh, just just Black people in general, the Black culture in the state of Iowa. First starting off in Iowa City, now in Des Moines. Um, has studied abroad several super cool places. Um, um, I just sent him the link, and I'm super excited for him to jump on to get his story and hear his after effect which was kind of early he transitioned out of football I think 19 or 20 years old so just send him the link waiting for him to jump on and we will go in.
1: what's going on man what's going on bro how you doing it's good to see you hey. man. yes sir yes sir no complaints how are you
0: Hey, I can't complain, man. Happy Sunday. I appreciate you carving out the time. Doc, I know you you're a busy man, Doc. Stop,
1: stop, stop. stop. <laughs> What's happening, man?
0: Hey, hey I, I can't call it, man. So um, I started a podcast uh, about in June. It's called the After Effect Podcast or the After Effect Show. It's my belief. I'm super passionate about storytelling. And it's my belief that as athletes, we all have an after effect or aftershock when it's time to walk away from the game and 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 figure life out. We all have an after effect from all of our experiences. And I know that we were only teammates for a year, um, but but you continue to be a student um at the University of Iowa. And I think um I just I just believe like in my younger years, in my younger 20s, uh it didn't really make sense to me, uh like what what you were doing, what you were trying to build. And now just tapping into more books and just being more mature now. Uh it all makes sense in what you were trying to do as far as as far as the groups you used to hold all the time, and and um, the two organizations you built, the Young Black and Educated, and, and issues of men. And it took me a while to to grow and and kind of see your vision. And yeah. now it it, yeah. it 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 makes it makes a lot of sense now. So that's why I reached out to you, and and I wanted you on to expound on your story. Um, I'm give some intricate details about uh, whether you know from you growing up in Baltimore, single mom uh, household to matriculating to Iowa and having to deal with all the metrics and the politics with that, deciding to walk away from the game and furthering your education with management sure. and uh missing up counseling and the doctorate in educational leadership. Man, I, I think you have an amazing story. So um I just wanted you on to to you know to kind of go in and relive your journey a
1: little bit. Yeah. Well first thanks for thanks for having me. I definitely appreciate that man. It has been an interesting journey man from yes. you know from the first time I've heard about Iowa, man. To actually coming, visiting, man, meeting meeting you all, meeting my my teammates, man. Getting acclimated to the university, um, like you said, man, from Baltimore. So this was this coming to Iowa was certainly, um, you know, a culture shock Different. in many ways. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah, in yes, many ways, man. Um, but yeah. I, I just remember the night before I left, just praying, man, just trying to to really center myself and and be. Open to this experience, to this new experience, yeah. and coming from a smaller school, man, I you know I, I had no idea how athletics was going to shake out, no idea how academic piece was going to shake out. I, I just it was something that I was was just ready to to jump into, man. Everybody seemed yes. really nice, man. When I first when I first got here, you know, just the atmosphere, yes. the being in Iowa City, man, the uh, the fans. I mean, every, everybody was crazy, and, and, and you know, um, yes, it seemed like. Almost from day one, getting there, things were were looking bright. Um yes. honestly, until I until the football piece happened. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and, and you know how yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. Yes. Um, you know, I deal, dealing with dealing with our with position coach that, that I had at the time, man. That that was um <clears throat> that that sort of strained that rela- yes. not only that relationship but my my experience. journey, my experience, man. So yes. that, was, uh, that was really challenging for me. So it's really trying mm-hmm. to navigate. Uh, the academic piece wasn't as challenging as I initially thought. That was something where, I, you know, I, I, I began to find a safe space in the academic realm, um, okay. uh, which once was that safe space in the athletic world, right? Being able to be around teammates, be around my friends, be around coaches. Uh, mm-hmm. That part sort of got dark. The other part, the academic journey, uh, sort of where I, where I found the light. So, uh, yeah, man, it, it just, um, my time at Iowa, I, I don't regret any part of it, man. I mean, right, even, right. Um, I was able, like you mentioned, to start two organizations that I thought were um, really centered around helping male students, especially black male students at the University of Iowa, man, uh, Young, yeah. Black, and Educated, and Fishers of Men. Uh, both groups, for the most part, was completely um, misunderstood. Right, I, I remember, yeah. think just thinking about leaving the football team, start getting ready to start this organization, and um, the ridicule that sort of came with. You know, are you get? Are you going to leave? You know, Division One athletics to start young black and educate. I mean, people just couldn't. White people wrap their heads around that. Yes, you know. Um, you know, you've worked so hard to get to this point, and um, I saw a need, man. There was certainly a gap uh, at the university. Yeah. There still is a gap, and um, and this organization, those two organizations, were uh, just a, a part of the way that I, I've been able to to help fill that void uh, for black students that are coming from all over to to come to to come to Iowa. Absolutely, man. So, uh, yeah, I think you touched on a lot of good points. So, before I
0: just like dive into your childhood and things like that, just let me get your take on just a, two current events. So one, um, just give me your reaction to the state of the world, right? I mean, 2020 was cl- clearly the weirdest year we've ever had to walk through. Um, so, you know, we got a, we got a new president, um, um, all the racial injustices that we know as black people, we've been, we've been black all our life. It's finally starting to come on the forefront. People are finally starting to kind of get more of an inside look on what it's sure. truly like to be black, right? Um, um, obviously, Last year, I think back in June, uh, over sixty guys came out with their individualized stories of their experience at the University of Iowa. You were one, I was one, um, um, and people really started to make try to make sense of it all. It, it, I feel like we had to take in so much, that then all of this, all those three things were happening while we were walking through a coronavirus pandemic that we've never ever seen. Never had to wear masks. The world has never ever shut down. So just give me your reaction to how you handled all that kind of
1: information in 2020 and 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 how you're doing now. Sure. You know, I think a lot about the voices of the unheard, right? When, when you have marginalized communities, when you put people in these uncomfortable situations and when you refuse to listen to them, you know, their voices become powerful when they, when they collectively come together. So, you know, what, yep. we, what we saw this past summer, right, I mean, everywhere from George Floyd, to you know, right in our own backyards at the University of Iowa, black boys, black and brown bodies begin to to speak out about injustices that has been uh, ignored for far too long, right? Far too long. Um, yes. You know, I, I refuse to believe that any coach, that any staff member, you know, any politician uh, had no idea that you know that this that this oppre- oppression was going on, right? That these exactly. voices have been silenced. Uh, for far too long, so man it is it is long overdue um you know, I think people are just starting to get a glimpse into into the life and into the perspective of of underrepresented and marginalized groups. There's so much more that we have to do. there's so many voices that uh still haven't been heard or haven't been amplified right so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I appreciated this past summer i appreciated you know black twitter for sort of uh for rising up and saying these are <laughs> yeah. our stories these are our, our stories and um and you know just with the, the shift that you start to see with with coaches right um, yeah. that's happening those voices are being are being heard right now and, and those voices mm-hmm. are being felt this is the prime time to really you know amplify that and say this is my experience Don't let me share this with you right 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 it's a uh... I can definitely attest to that because it's funny, man.
0: I have been going back in my head for years, figuring out a way to, to on how to tell or or not, not necessarily tell, but just speak to the University of Iowa experience because sure. our experience was different. I mean, you walked away from the program after one year, but I don't know how I did it, but I stayed in it for four and a half years. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and, and, and the and thing
1: I, is, I always questioned, I, I always thought, like, how are these guys doing this? How yeah, yeah. are these guys putting up with this? And and folks, you know, folks always ask you, or always will, will make the make the comment, you know, if it was so bad, why why didn't they leave? Why didn't they leave? And um and
0: my father and- says the same thing. My father sure. says the same thing. And that's what I told him. I said, you asking that problem, you asking that question is the problem. Yeah. Like sure. we should, we shouldn't be, we shouldn't have to leave. Right. Like it's it, it shouldn't be this way. Like we shouldn't sure. be treated this way. If you don't like it so much, why didn't you leave? I shouldn't have to want to leave. It shouldn't be that way. It should be fair. It should be
1: respectful. It should be everyone treated the same. You know what I mean? Definitely. Definitely. And, and that's a, that's a gap in that system, man. When folks ask that question, I could say, you know, I, I let man, leaving that team was probably one of the most anxious at that time. So much anxiety, so much depression. I had no, I mean, I, I mean everything from meeting with financial aid at the school and yeah. um, and letting them know, hey, I, I don't want anybody to find out about this, only to come to practice that afternoon. And you know, coaches are just like, "Well, I heard you were at financial aid," you know, or "I, I hear that you're thinking about leaving." Man, I, I felt like I right. was hiding, like I was, like I was sneaking away from this machine, and yeah. um, and there, I felt like it was a target, right? And 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 on top of that. Leaving to start an organization, leaving to um, you know to find my voice—I yeah, mean, it was you nothing know. like that experience, right? And the yeah. same time, I, I completely understand why why you and other players players stayed, right? You, one, you shouldn't have had to to have left that system, right? We should exactly. we should have identified where the problem was, and then they right. should have left. It. Uh, right. But also, you're getting school paid for, right? You're getting right. extra help, you're getting tutoring services, right? That, that, this is a life changing opportunity, but exactly. just because someone says, "Hey, this is a life changing opportunity," doesn't mean that you have to be subjected to subjected to you know oppression and racism and and microaggression.
0: Right, right. right. I, I'm telling you, man, and and I'm glad that James Daniels kind of spearheaded. Obviously, he, he's an NFL player, and he yeah. came out he came out saying, you know, there's too many racial disparities, and I think he. He kind of gave me that courage to say, okay, what, okay, I'm 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 gonna come out and I made a video like a 30, a 30 minute video. and really dove deep into that experience because four and a half years, I mean, I was I didn't think it was trauma back then. I didn't think sure. that, that was trauma back then, experiencing all the verbal abuse, the 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 personal demeaning, the personal demeaning about the inner city of Cleveland, about where I'm from, just all these things, having sure. to take all that in as an 18, 19, 20, 21 year old, you're still trying to find yourself as a man. You don't really even know who you are. Taking all that stuff in, Um, plus like adding that to, in addition to everything that I went through in my childhood and and I'm sure you can attest to different issues and things of that nature because you grew up in Baltimore, which isn't far from Cleveland, but coming, like when I was about 27, 28, 29, I, all those things came back and resurfaced. I had like a breakdown, I had like like a breakdown a breakdown out of nowhere because I didn't deal with it. I didn't go to a therapist to talk to anyone. And I was kind of forced into therapy. I was forced to go talk about it because sure. I knew that I needed some kind of help because it all kind of read back resurfaced. And I say all that to say, like, that's what, that's, that, that gave me the courage to find my own voice and to create a platform like this, a podcast. and just unapologetically tell my opinion. I was always so kind of nervous or scared to tell my opinion about the Iowa experience. Because, obviously, once I have kids and once I have a family, I want to be able to take them back. And I want to be able to say, hey, this is a dad five years here. Dad put a lot of blood, sweats, and tears into this program. So I didn't want to be shunned. I I didn't want to be shunned out of the program. So I said, let me just be quiet. Let me just keep it in my small circle. We still talk about it to this day. But um, someone like him coming out and then seeing all those other guys come out, I just was like, I finally felt, I finally found the courage to, to to do it. And I think it's it's so monumental and, and, and empowering for you coming from your, your, your end, because you did it at a young age. Like you, you walked away and you were trying to find your voice as a 19, 20 year old. And, and, and man, I think that that's so courageous on your end. My question for you is like, where did you find that? Like, like where did that come from for you to, what did you pull from or have to tap into to be able to, try to create your voice at such a young age and and, and you're still at it but you're like over 10 years in like where did that come from that you know that you had that at such such a young age because I knew that we weren't being treated right but I didn't know how to verbalize it I didn't know how to find my voice I didn't know the access steps to to find a voice and to the point where someone believes you someone doesn't think you're lying you know what I mean sure
1: yeah you know I I think the bottom for me was and I don't even know if I've shared this, but was like contemplating suicide. Right, okay. it was it was just this extreme depression of being a part of that program, yeah. walking to practice, driving to practice, getting there, and to have this, this you know, this racist experience and, um, and being frustrated, right? Having family and my community everyone sort of depending on me to you know to execute it took so much to get me to that point um, that you yeah. know for me I, I just felt like hey I, I would be disappointing everyone if I if I walked away. So that's where that de- that's where the depression for me came in. And I remember, mm-hmm. you know, that that first year, that first summer, there were professionals, you know, mental health professionals, teachers, students or everyone was sort of coming through and just making that initial introduction. And I remember even by that point, you know, I was I was so depressed being a part of that program uh, that I that I was looking for a way to connect with this therapist who was really coming in, just talking, saying, hi, nice to meet you all. Um, And and I I, I didn't feel like it was sincere, uh, but I I knew that I needed I knew that I needed help at that point. I I have to connect with this person and trying to find an excuse to run out when she ran out while the next person was coming in trying to trying to catch this person to say, can I get your card? Um, right. Just the fear, again, just the fear around that process was very difficult. Oh, but man. Yes. I, I reached a point of being so depressed in, in those moments that I, that I that I told myself, before you hurt yourself, before anything like that happens, you need to leave this system. You need to get out of this program, far, far away from this program, uh, and do something that's that's truly going to make you happy. Uh, so, so that's what it came down to. I mean, I, I really had to um, say, you know, what I, I can't, I can't think about what my family or my community or my friends or my coaches are going to say. I mean, it was truly a decision that I had to make for myself, and it was sort of a lonely feeling, isolated feeling, having to make that right. I didn't consult with anyone else. Yeah, it was truly, it was truly a decision that I had to make for myself to make sure that I was being healthy
0: yeah and so when you decided to walk away and 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 you you were dealing with that and how was that transition you were used to going to practice at meetings and 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 (laughs) learning learning center like like I tell I I tell people all the time we had a full time and an overtime job I mean because you what you're up at 5 a.m you got you you got lifts and then you got class and then you have Tutoring sessions. Then you have you got to get hours at the learning center. Then you have sure. treatment. Then you have you have specialties meetings. Then you have position meetings. Then you have practice. And then you have training table. Yeah. Then you have homework. And before you know it, it's eleven p.m. and you have to sure. do the same thing the next day. Like like people don't understand that grind. So when you walked away and you were just a student going to class, but you had an immense amount of time free time. Sure. What was that transition like? Did, was it weird? Did you feel like you needed to be somewhere where you were you sure. kind of scattered all around? Or
1: I, I did find that I had to fill that time. <laughs> you know, you know, the first few days it was it was really weird, man. It was like, well, what am I gonna do? But I really I was able to hit the ground running, man. I mean, again, starting clubs, starting organizations. Um, you know, I was done in in January of 2011. Uh, so, okay. so for me it was, well, you know, how can I begin to fill this time? How can okay. I do all of this stuff? You know, it was a sacrifice, uh, and a leap of faith, leaving the team, you know, okay. what can I, what can I do to make the most of this and make the most out of this experience? So, um, yes, yes. within just a few months that summer, after leaving the team, uh, I went on a, a mission trip and studied abroad in, in Ethiopia. Right. And so that okay. was a wonderful, wonderful experience. And then I got back and later, um, later that winter, I ended up going to India and studied abroad in India. And then I got Mm -hmm. back in that spring break, uh, that following spring break of 2012, I ended up going to Georgetown Guyana. So it was, it was literally nonstop for me. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, I remember, you know, hearing former players and Coaches just saying, well, yeah, he left the team to go to Africa. It, I mean, no one knew what I was doing. They just knew I was doing <laughs> stuff, man. And yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it was it was again, man, uh that that those first few weeks though, it was almost like a ghost town, man. It, I, I think <laughs> yeah. noticed was athletics keeps their athletes so separated from everyone else. Um yeah. I no there was no network outside of outside of you all, outside of my teammates, right? So for right. It was I didn't see any black students around. It was it was really hard. And um, after about a month, I got involved with a few organizations: the Black Student Union, InterVarsity mm-hmm. Christian Fellowship. And mm-hmm. uh, I started meeting people. I started seeing people. You know, gained another core group of friends. Joined yes. a fraternity, and and you know, for me, that was the network that I needed to help me get through get through my experience at Iowa. Definitely, definitely. How did you? Man, because it, it's so
0: impressive to me how you, you, your, your level of productivity, like because like you said, you were depressed and, 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 and you had notions and thoughts of suicide and things like that, but you continue to pull yourself out of it while keeping a high level of productivity. Like, okay, I walked away from the school. Okay, what can I do? Like, how can I make the most of me walking away from, from this program? Okay, I'm going to start two organizations, okay? I'm gonna look at study abroad options, okay? I'm gonna join a fraternity, okay? I'm gonna join the black student Union. okay? I'm gonna gain a new a new diaspora of friends. Yeah. Uh, what was it, did you have to pull from anything to, to, to keep that level of productivity so high at such a young age? You were only what, like 19 or 20?
1: Yeah, my, my family, man, was huge. Um, you know, I, they would always say, we're sending you to Iowa on a mission. Right. And even to this day, I carry that with me. Um, the, the mission was always to get an education, right? It was to always yeah. Yeah. get as much out of this experience as, as possible. And so uh, and, and I think sometimes they may have confused with what, what they wanted, uh, with you know, we're sending you to play football, but what they what they really meant was they were truly sending me to Iowa to get an education and, and to make the yeah. most of this experience, no matter what yeah. that no matter what that might look like. And so when yeah. I left. When I left the team, uh, the first thing you know, when I met with financial aid, I said, "Hey, you know, if, even if I if I can't come back, if I lose this scholarship, if there's nothing left for me, uh, then I was going to go to to Kirkwood Community College." I was I was I was not going to leave this state without a degree from Iowa, um, and, yeah, and that's yeah. what I what I carried as motivation. Uh, the other piece, uh, you know, of, of doing all of this was I really saw a gap. In the system, I saw a gap with Iowa football, with Iowa athletics. I saw with the University of Iowa as a whole, and I saw it definitely within the Iowa City community. There were there were black people coming to <laughs> the university, and they did not, uh, they weren't being connected to the community, right? And, mm-hmm. and and for me, that was an issue, right? They they weren't having a, an, an environment that really reminded them of home that that nurtured mm-hmm. them that help bring them along, pull them along. Right. And so that, right. that was, that was my passion, man. I come from, you know, a community that that shares, that cares about one another. So for me in, in those organizations, I was really able, able to create those environments and create that space for people like us, people that look like us to begin right. to come together and, and, um, and know that they weren't in it alone. Right. And absolutely. That's, that's, that's a powerful story, bro. Um, and that's a perfect segue
0: to my next question. So talk about, the culture growing up in Baltimore in the '90s, I I, uh, I, I was born in '89. I think he was born in what, like '92, '91. Uh, I always feel old when I say this, but we didn't grow up like the generation now. We didn't have the internet. We didn't have sure. YouTube. We didn't have videos. Sure. We didn't have <laughs> camera phones. We used to really like be outside, like trying to figure, like finest things to play with, or playing with yeah. each other, or getting yeah. creative. Uh, you know, we, we really had to be creative growing up in the '90s. It was so different. So, paint me a picture on. On oh, you growing up in the 90s in Baltimore. I, I, I read, you know, sing, single mom household. So just paint me a picture on how that was for you.
1: Yeah, you know, for, for me, I grew up with my mother um, and with my older brother. And I always say under the supervision of my grandmother uh, because she was the constant force in my life. Um, and, and you know, I, my mother was there, but my grandmother was really that compass. She was really, the, again, that, 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 um, the cornerstone of my foundation of mm-hmm. respect and of making sure that uh, I went, I showed up to school on time, making sure there was always food in the house. You know, she was really that person for me and continues to be uh, to be that person. Um, Baltimore was was sort of a, a rough place to grow up in. And, um, mm-hmm. and in a lot of ways, I, I'd say I got shielded from that, but in some other ways, I think, um, you know, I, I took some of those blows that came along with growing up in Baltimore, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, seeing seeing poverty wasn't something that was that was new to me, right? I, it was something mm-hmm, that I was mm-hmm. used to, um, mm-hmm. that I was familiar with going to uh, Baltimore City public schools. Again, a lot of my friends, they, you know, they struggle, their parents struggle, um, mm-hmm. but when you're in it, you you truly, you don't know that, right? You don't exactly, know,
0: exactly. we, you know, we're all... It's, it's normalized,
1: it's, it's normalized, right. so it feels normal, yeah. <laughs> right, and, and so I, I was able... To take the blinders off when I got to high school, so I got recruited to play uh, in high school and a uh, small private high school in Baltimore, and uh, predominantly white. From that moment on, I, you know, I was able to see, you know, the different levels of living, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. folks who were family multimillionaires, great homes, great neighborhoods, you know, um, all of that compared to where I was coming from, right? Taking a bus. Right. 45 minutes to an hour just to get to this school. Um, mm-hmm. And it really sort of, sort of showed me that polarizing effect of, um, you know, it, it's not normal to have people selling drugs in your neighborhood, right? Um, right. It's not <laughs> normal for uh, for you to hear gunshots, uh, you know, fairly often, right? Exactly. And uh, so sort of putting some of those things into perspective, and again, just going back to this idea of, of sharing in the community um, even though all of that was happening, the community that I came from in Baltimore uh, was one that really shared, really cared for one another. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if I got in trouble at a friend's house, by the time I got home, my mother already knew about it. My grandmother, right, already, right. it was this communal type living, um, yeah. and, and and there was there was really love in that in that environment, right? Mm-hmm. So. It's tough but along with that came the love aspect as well um, so mm-hmm. when I entered athletics right that was important for me you can be mm-hmm. tough you can yell you can challenge your you can challenge your players or athletes um, mm-hmm. but I just always you know recall coming from that that culture and space of love and and for me getting to Iowa I think a lot of that was a lot of that was missing um,
0: yeah, yeah 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 yeah
1: definitely man so talk about when you kind of started
0: to come into your own, like you said, once you got to that school and and you started to get recruited and, and this notion that, hey, maybe I'll be able to earn an athletic scholarship. That, that notion started to kind of become a reality. And then what went into your process, ultimately, of choosing the University of Iowa to further your athletic career and your education?
1: Sure. Yeah, I, you know, I was always the type of student that, you know, I just the type of athlete. I'm just going to put my head down. I'm just going to work. I'm just mm-hmm. going to grind out, you know, I wasn't really interested in uh, what's the big name school, you know, who has mm-hmm. better athletes, whatever. I was real. I was always, you know, focused on, um, you know, what type of education am I going to get? Are the people there going to be nice? Are they going to treat you nice? Are they going to treat you mm-hmm. with respect? Mm-hmm. That was always the, the, the thing that sort of drove me in this process. So that was really different uh, in my mind from a lot of athletes. Um, and, mm-hmm. and I had quite a few uh, quite a few scholarship offers, athletic offers. Uh, but for me, it really came down to, uh, to deciding. And when I met, when I met Kirk and when I met, um, um, uh, coach Wilson, those guys, they came Mm -hmm. to my home, they sat down, they had dinner with my family. Um, Mm -hmm. I I knew, I knew then that, Hey, this is a program. These are, uh, these are people that, uh, I can see myself working with, right. I can see myself Mm -hmm. in this space. Um, my family certainly wanted me closer um, you know it really yeah, came yeah. in Penn State uh, and uh, but they they really wanted me to, to be closer but there was something um there was something special about Iowa at that time mm-hmm. and, and still to still now there was something special about that place um, but for me you know I, rem- I recall <laughs> taking a look at schools and I said well if I'm not gonna play if I don't play football in in college what sort of schools can I can I get into right I remember asking right. my uh, admissions counselor that and he gave me a list of three schools and he's like these are your top three choices okay I won't, I won't tell you what, what schools they were but um, I said uh <laughs> and I think there may have been a community college on there and it, you know th- and that's great as well but I said I think I'm gonna play football you know it, the the opportunity that athletics you know provides for right for students like us man kids like who grew up like us um, is astronomical, so um, exactly. I knew this could be a powerful vehicle for me uh, in mm-hmm. the future, so, so again, uh, my athletic abilities has allowed me to, uh, it's carried me a long way, uh, the rest mm-hmm. is just grind and a lot of grit, a lot of grit. Oh,
0: okay, okay, definitely, definitely, I got you there, so um, something that I think always goes under translation is that transition from like you, the inner city of Baltimore, for me, the inner city of Cleveland, and going to Iowa City, like you said earlier, I could, like you alluded to earlier, it's a culture shock. We come from, mm-hmm. we come from areas where it's 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 all black people, and, yeah. and, and 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 we never have to to interact with anyone white. Now I know you said you went to high school, and so you got that early, and yeah. I'm sure you were able to pull from that experience when you got to Iowa City. But for a person like me, when I came in 2007, I had always went to public schools, and so the only white people I ever encountered were a couple of teachers in a school. Sure. And, and maybe if we played a, a, a white high school for in football or basketball. So it was just, a, it was sure. a competition <laughs> thing, but coming to Iowa city and it's a 97% white state. Yeah. And I go to, a, okay. I go to a class of 200 people and it's like two black people. <laughs> it's me and another, yeah. like, Sure. it took, it. it literally took me about six months to get comfortable. I didn't, started to feel comfortable in IOC City to like December because you know we got a certain slang and we say certain words a certain way coming sure. from Cleveland. <laughs> and so when I would talk my I would I would just talk normal and people would literally be having a hard time understanding what I'm trying to say. And yeah. it just yeah. felt weird for me. It felt weird for me sort. So how was that transition for you? And I and and I know I know you know once the football activity started and training camp and all that everything was just so tough. You you can yell that verbally abused here just everywhere. So what was your transition like, uh, you know, for that one year in 2010?
1: Yeah, man, you know, for, for me, again, having that experience in high school uh, really prepared me for that. I, I don't think the coaches really knew uh, what to make or what to do with me, because in a way, you know, I'm coming from Baltimore, I'm coming from the inner city, but I had this experience at this, at this predominantly white, private, very elite school. Um, and, and so I, I challenged a lot of things, right? Mm-hmm. I, I also I didn't feel like I needed to stay in that situation, which is why, you know, I, I ended up leaving. I didn't know where I was going. But for me, yeah. I, I knew I didn't have to deal with white people being racist. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> and, um, and, and I think that, you know, that's challenging when when you come from when you come from where we've come from and we're thrown into this, this weird cultural environment. And people mm-hmm. are making jokes, and, and sometimes we we bear with that uh, because we say, "Hey, I know that uh, my future, I know what's at the end of this tunnel, is going to right. be worth it." And um, and for me, you know, I remember telling um, I remember telling a coach that I wanted to take classes during the summer, and he was like, "Why are you taking classes during the summer if you don't have to?" I said, "Well, I like to graduate early." and right. um, He's like, what? <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> yeah. you're, a you're not getting out of here early. Like, what are you talking about, right? And right. just my, my thinking, right? When I got to Iowa, it, you know, it was, it was a, a bit of a culture shock. But all yeah. in all, you know, I was really able to navigate that that system because I had already been in it, right? And, and yeah. some of the things that, you know, the coaches were saying or people that I would encounter, professors were saying, um, I was really able to, to sort of navigate that. I'll say from from a different lens, from a high level, because I had already been, I had already Mm -hmm. been in that situation. So, you know, some of the things that that I were uh, just blatantly disrespectful. Um, I was just like, Hey, I'm I'm not, I'm not going to tolerate that. You know, I don't have to, I don't have to be here. And when I left and started YBE young black and educated uh, in a way, I saw that as, you know, I remember having conversations after I left with other players, like, this is how I did it. This is how I, how I left. And you don't have to, to be a part of this, you know, if if you don't want, and, and yeah. just depending on grades, yeah. you know, family structure, you know, some some students took that and left. Others, you know, you you just got it. You you stay and you deal with it, and you hope things get better. And sometimes yeah. you actually work for them to be better.
0: Yeah, 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 de- definitely, man. That's a, that's powerful. And I, I know you already expounded on on you know you making that decision to walk away from the program and how it was when you left. And you know all the all the different things and nuances that you started once you left. So um, I like like you alluded to earlier. I saw that you studied abroad in India, Ethiopia, and so paint me a picture. Like, give me more of an inside look on what that experience was like. Because when I read that, I was like, oh wow, like I I I had never that went that went over my head. I, I I didn't know that about you. So paint me a picture on those experiences. I mean, uh. Being immersed in those, in a different kind of culture like that around all these different kinds of people who don't come from where you come from. What sure. was that like? What moments stood out? I mean, I mean,
1: give me some details about those experiences. Yeah. You know one. I'll say this again. When after leaving the team, being in Iowa, I, I told myself that I was going to take advantage of every opportunity that that presented itself from being the first student TED Talk speaker at the University of Iowa, to studying right. abroad, to studying at the National Law School of India. I said I, I was going to jump on every opportunity that came across that came across my email. Um, right. I found out about the Ethiopia trip probably about 45 days before they were getting ready to leave. And, okay. uh, and this, each student had to raise around $3,000. And at that right. time, I had probably about negative $25 in my account. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Broke bro, bro, bro college. About. days college. But I said, uh, but you know, and I, and I went to this meeting with some friends and I'm just sitting on the side. They just brought me along. They had been planning this for an entire semester. And, uh, and then someone looks up one of the facilitators, she just looks up and says, um, Anthony, do you want to, is this something you want to be a part of? And she explains to me that process, you know, in anyway, you know, I wasn't able to raise all of the money. I had to go to uh, a former high school coach and and he Helped him and his family help finance that trip for me, and uh, okay. blessing. Yeah, touching down in Ethiopia, touching down on on the soil in Africa, knowing that um, right. the people with my cult with my skin color that they were in the majority there. Mm-hmm. It's a powerful feeling. It, it's something that um, I haven't felt since then. Right, just knowing that on that that land right from 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 where we where we originated right exactly. um, empowering experience man and um, and again we got to do some uh, mission work there as well and uh, just seeing the faith of uh, our Ethiopian counterparts there as well was um, uh, just always resonated with me and, and, and when and when we left I remember you know asking you know what do you want us to take away from this experience you know we, we all had different things that we were taking what do you want us to take how do you want us to share about this experience and they told us be careful how you talk about this experience that you've had here right oftentimes mm-hmm. if you uh, you know if you're watching tv or you see the babies from africa and it's feed the children and all of this how are you going to talk about this experience and and, and that was a uh, an eye-opening moment for me because uh, listening to my peers talk about the experience, it was, it was already a little bit different than how I how I talked about it. But for me, it was just really empowering. It was inspiring. It was motivating for me to be able to be with people that, that looked like me. Um, it's, it's a special place, man. When, when I got to, when I, I was able to go to India as well, I was thinking about um, law school at the time. So I, I went on this study abroad trip. Um, it was uh, at the National Law School of India. And um, to see their caste system, uh, which is really a lot like the the, the race system here in in the United States, and to see how they're dealing and navigating with some of those issues as well and how it doesn't just pertain uh, to the U.S., uh, right? And and learning different ways and methods of actually addressing that. Uh, I I came really hungry being at the University of Iowa to make change, right? To not just talk about it, be about it. Um, And, um, you know, everything from talking about my experience at at Iowa, you know, it's funny how things just come full circle, right? Because I I wrote Mm -hmm. some articles, I read, um, I was featured in some articles Mm -hmm. talking about my Iowa experience um, 10 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) A long, a long time ago. ago. Right. But it it, it just shows the power of of black voices at, at all levels. Right. Because yeah. it, it took someone, you know, it took someone at that level in the league in the NFL to, to speak up. Right. Mm-hmm. To say that Dur- during that time, you know, folks are folks are just saying, well, you know, that's just that's just Anthony. That's just fur talking okay. stuff. Right. You know, this is exactly. one guy having a bad experience. No right. one saw fit to actually do that investigative work 10 years right. ago. Right. Um, it's
0: almost like it's almost like you were before your time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, <laughs> well, you know I, and again I, I we would be naive to even think that it started with with me you know I'm of sure course. issues, you know we're going on prior to me even getting there in 2010 uh, sure. but we need leadership that's going to be proactive and actually taking a look at uh, these issues and listening when when marginalized groups actually speak you know we can't yeah. we can't ignore those those uh, voices.
0: Yeah, yeah, I totally agree, man. And I know those trips to Ethiopia and India. I know that I can, and I can just tell about when you speak about it, uh, how your energy kind of shifts. But I know that that just kind of gave you a, a, a form of like a superpower to, like you said, when you came back to really oh, hit yeah. the ground running and to really like put your stamp on it. And, 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 and I haven't had the opportunity to travel over to Africa yet, but I'm, I'm planning on it. And, 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 and I can't wait to, to feel that feeling to to, to feel those feels and, and, and to find, you know, your purpose. So, man, that's 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 so powerful. And, and I'm glad that you spoke about the TED Talk because I, I went and watched it. I actually watched it like three times because I, I didn't know you were on it, but give me, well, I, cause I, I had like a two part question. First off, was it a surreal feeling when you found out that you would be on the TED Talk, right? I mean, 29 subscribers on YouTube, that's one of the biggest platforms, right? Was it a surreal feeling when you found out that you were gonna uh, get that feature? And then the second part of this, on the two-part question: Where did the current, where did that courage come from to tell your story as far as that the, the traumatic experiences that you had in your childhood? Because for me, I experienced some traumatic experiences during my childhood. I had not spoken about them yet. I'm still working through them um, in therapy. Um, I'm sure I'll get to that. Point. But when I when I saw you tell your story, I was like, that's the first thing that came to my head. Like, man, how did he, how was he able to? just unapologetically tell a story in front of all these people and he, on, on this big platform and so like just and just be okay and be, be cool. So like so that two part question how did that feel how what, what was the feeling like when you found out that you would be on the TED talk platform that with that feature and then where did your courage come from for you to for you to tell that story? What, did you have a process? Did you have to go to therapy? Did you have to talk to somebody because when when we go through stuff like that, you can't it's hard to talk about it. You don't want to talk about it. You want to kind of shield it or put it in the back of your mind, and it always comes back some way. So what was that like for you?
1: Yeah, I, re- I remember sitting down, um, I think it was in my dorm, recording the initial, like, I think they asked for a two-minute clip uh, yeah. video, uh, and I remember recording that and sweating, man. I was like, <laughs> I can't believe we're getting ready to, you know, to talk about this. I. The thing is, probably two weeks before that, I had no idea what a TED Talk was. I, I hadn't heard of it at the time. Yeah. Um, my friend said, hey, this is a great opportunity. I saw the email come up and I was like, yeah, and I think some someone else had mentioned, hey, you should think about doing this. And I was like, all right, that's three. And I and I work in threes. And you know, I'm like, if it came back three times. Uh, so <laughs> I talked to a good friend of mine. He says, hey, just record a video, see where it goes. Um, yeah. I did that. And and I said, you know, I, I don't know what I want to talk about, but I got to be vulnerable. Whatever it is, I'm just going to be as right. open as, as, you know, to the core as possible. And I recorded that yes. video, submitted it. And when I found out that I gotten it, uh, it was surreal because I said, wow, like, I, do I have to talk about this? <laughs> I, but, uh, really, I was like, okay, I got to stick with this topic, you know? And, um, right. but when I, when, when I left, when I left the team, I was, um, I, I, sought therapy i got therapy from from university counseling services and okay okay that initial session i remember my counselor asking me you know at the end of this you know at the end of this journey you know what's going to make you feel better what's going to be therapeutic for you what's going to help you and um and she said what's your vision and uh, i told her that i see myself on a stage sharing my story right i, I told oh, her that wow. 11, you said that you said that in therapy so yeah
0: you kind of yeah.
1: manifested it. <laughs> you know, and and, and she, she just said, well, talk to me more about that. And and my rationale behind that is having this, having something that's a secret, having this traumatic experience that no one else knows about, right? It, it's like having a voice and not being able to use it. It's, it's really, mm-hmm. um, it's a depressing, it's just a really sad feeling. And good, uh, so for me, I imagine sharing it on this stage as being this freeing experience, which it turned out to be. And then stepping into that space where I was able to do it, um, it was almost, it was, it, I, I've described it as being the spiritual moment, right? Yeah. Uh, I remember rehearsing, I remember preparing for it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I was on that stage, it wasn't like me thinking of what's, what should I say next? It was like God was just pulling these words together. Yeah.
0: It was free flowing. It was, yeah. It was yeah. Free
1: flowing, man. And, um, and at, I, you know, I just remember people clapping at the end and walking off the stage shaking like, wow, I, I just did this. Um, yeah, yeah. But immediately, you know, after I left backstage and, and, and was exiting the event, having people come up to me, one woman in particular said I share a similar story with you and I never shared it. And tonight I'm going to share it with my husband. Mm-hmm. And I, and, and right then and there i knew that hey this is a this is a powerful message yeah resounding effect yes yeah man that you know that needed to be shared and uh and since that time man you know i've had folks reach out and say just thank you for sharing your story that was Mm -hmm. was inspiring that was powerful Mm and athletes i'm always um really late it when I hear from, from, you know, former teammates or, you know, just random athletes who, who reach out and say, thank you for, you know, being brave enough to step in that space. But that, that's what my whole life's about, man. Uh, yeah, my, yeah. my goal in this world is to use, you know, the tools that God has given me to empower, inspire and motivate other people to be, to be a blessing on someone else. So that, that was just one way for me to, to do that.
0: That's, that that's powerful, man, because, one of my questions that I wrote down to ask you is, had you ever tried therapy? Because and so it didn't surprise me that you actually went to therapy because I knew that you had to you had to had got those feelings out to someone to have the courage to talk about it in front of that many people. Like I knew that because the, I, it's just too much fear. It's too much. You're too scared. You don't know how how you're going to be perceived. You don't know. You don't know if the person that that took you through that moment, if they're still alive, what they're going to feel like. And, sure. and 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 that's what was big for me. That's why I never wanted to talk about it like in public or to anyone. And I started doing it in therapy. I'm still working through it, but I knew that you had to talk to somebody about oh, yeah. it because, because there's no way that you would just be able to talk about it on that kind of platform. And so that's that's powerful that that you were able to find therapy at the University of Iowa. Like you said, when they used to come to the school, they would, I mean, to our the complex, they would give them like five minutes to say something real quick. Real quick, real quick. But but yeah, 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 real quick. And to be honest bro and i gotta be honest i did not even know we had therapy resources like mm-hmm. at university of iowa i didn't even know that because like sure. you said they were given five minutes and it wouldn't even be five minutes let's be honest yeah. it would be like two minutes yeah. and they would put it at the beginning of a meeting before more important things so yeah. i never was even able to take any notes or really listen to see right. okay maybe i need to go talk to somebody maybe because i knew certain experiences were really bothering me and i would talk to my roommate and a few of my teammates ask therapy to get those feelings out that's really the only way i was able to continue to press forward uh sure. so so yeah man i'm glad that you were able to find those resources and then obviously have have that thing on ted talk man uh, that's 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 powerful I'm, I'm glad you were able to answer that for me so let me ask you this man because i actually listed the the, the ladder that you climbed right you got your uh your undergrad in african-american sure. studies you got your master's in mental health counseling. You got your doctorate in educational leadership from Drake, and yeah. you started in, in the workforce. You you got primary counselor at Macy Medical. Then you matriculated to victim rights coordinator in the office of Iowa Attorney General. Then you moved to reg- regional um, ED Midwestern. Well, you're the regional director in the Midwestern region for uh, your fraternity Alpha. Mm-hmm. Um, well, how, how do I say it? Alpha, alpha, alpha Phi Alpha Alpha. i alpha. Alpha, alpha, I'm sorry. I'm a rookie with, with fraternity. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and so all that education, all those amazing job titles, all those jobs that you had. Now you are the executive executive director of of let me get it right executive director of equity, inclusion, and diversity in the West Des Moines Community Schools.
1: Yeah. For any
0: for for, for anyone that's listening. That may want to follow in your footsteps or fo- following our footsteps for you know maybe attending a big team university and making sure that they graduate and making sure that they uh, understand the landscape of how to get these kinds of jobs. Just paint me a picture on your access steps. What you did after each one of those jobs? D- did you just did you just apply to jobs <laughs> nonstop every three months? Like what was your what was your plan sure, to get sure. to where you are now? Because because people see you and and and. The, the title is cool. The title is like, Oh man, who is, who is this guy? Like he, he sounds important. Right. But you started from somewhere. So just kind of paint me a picture on how you were able to navigate through all those jobs. And, and, you know, for anyone listening that may want to follow in your footsteps.
1: Sure. Wow. That, that that's a lot. You did your research, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my, oh man. Um, it is surreal hearing all of that, man. I, um, I, can't believe that this is that is me right I mean yes yes. when I speak to students I I always share I failed the fourth grade I failed the sixth grade I mean I got into a lot of trouble as a kid I was a very troubled kid and um and yeah. I entered the ninth grade reading maybe on a fifth the sixth grade reading level I mean math was mm-hmm. below that um mm-hmm. and it is by the grace of God that I'm here that, that's yeah. that's that's the only way that, that I I can put it. I mean, I've had people in my life, in my space, who who poured into me, who gave yeah. to me, unrelenting, who uh, who you know just had the heart to show me the way. And along that journey, I was re- I was receptive all at at every turn. I, I wanted to. Uh, I was a blank slate. Whatever somebody yeah. said, I hung to those words. I used yeah. it. Somebody said, "Hey, you should apply here." I applied there. When someone said you should look at this opportunity, I looked at that opportunity. Um, I couldn't stop. I, again, I, I just remember the 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 mission that I'm on out here, right? And mm-hmm. I always say, uh, you know, I, I lived on a streetcar, Force Road, F O R C E. And um, you, you, she said, you're not going to be on Force Road your entire life. There's more yeah. in the world for you. And yeah. I just I, I play that over and over, right? I, I'm not going to be there. I'm not going to be there. There's something out out there. And um, mm-hmm. for me, at every turn, I I, I give. There's no way to uh, to receive with a closed hand. So if if you're giving, I think it will come back. Uh, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm very intentional, right? That, that's the other thing. Um, and almost to to a fault about my about my future, about my life, and about my purpose. Um, mm-hmm. I You know this school thing. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> I still so much, you know. It was just I just I could not stop. I, I wanted to grab these pieces. You know, when I think about um, being at Iowa and, and getting this degree in African American Studies, right? It was because I'm passionate about the Black community, right? And and yeah, for me, right. it was I knew that my end game was to do something that I that I love. So it was um, how do I get these pieces. Throughout education, throughout the community, to ultimately be able to do uh, do something that I'm really passionate about, and right. so I got that degree. Uh, I start seeing my own struggles with mental health, mm-hmm. seeing that in our community we have a lot of those struggles. Right, so right. Let's get a degree in in mental health counseling, right? Yeah. Then I see yeah. you know, we have students who are struggling in education. Well, what can I do in education, right? How how do I get that? that formal training and education how do i become credible how do i get that research experience so let, let's get this doctoral degree right so it's uh, american studies mental health education you know into an organization that you know that i that i just launched this year uh, the center for equity focused learning uh, which mm-hmm. is uh combines it, it's almost like a ybe 2.0 right it, okay <laughs> the space where I get to bring all of my skills together collectively uh, to be able to do this work with with a team of excellent individuals who's also passionate about this work as well. Um, Mm -hmm. And like you mentioned, my my formal, my nine to five role, uh, being the executive director for a K-12 school district, I mean, it really allows me to, you know, to touch the community, to touch our students, uh, our school board policy, right? Talking to our district leadership um, mm-hmm. in a space that needs it so much, right? In in right. Iowa, and um, so for 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 someone that may be watching this, I'll just say, keep going, right? Try try mm-hmm. to figure out what yeah. your purpose, what your passion is. Um, you know, even if even if you don't know, just start somewhere. You know, yeah. it, start, somewhere. start. You know, interning with somebody, working reach out to me, right, um, yeah. and start narrowing it down. I'm, I'm still trying to figure out what that is for me, but it, it keeps getting smaller and smaller, and I feel like I'm getting closer and closer to uh, exactly what God has called me here to do.
0: Yeah, 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 that's 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 so powerful, man, and uh, I mean, reading through all, all you know, as I pr- prepare for this interview, reading through all these accomplishments and accolades and, and, and things of that nature, it's definitely just motivated me to To continue, continue to navigate in my passion. I'm I'm passionate about storytelling. I'm passionate about content. That's why I started this podcast. Uh, I'm passionate about fitness, so I'm developing a lifestyle brand, uh, you you know, things of that nature. But I've needed, I've needed guys in my circle, and it doesn't have to be my inner circle, but but former teammates. I've needed to see, you know, guys like you, other guys starting different companies, starting different organizations. It's 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 helped me to to. To wither the the uh, fear of starting yeah. something, right? Because sure. I come I come from a family where it's not a lot of entrepreneurs, so I haven't really seen a lot of that growing up. So so naturally you have a bit of fear, but seeing guys like you, seeing guys uh, you know starting organizations and, and companies and just killing it, um, it's definitely helped me to ease the, the uh, uh, ease the fear and just sure. kind of bait <laughs> kind of bathe, bathe in authenticity, bathe in. Passion and know yeah. that you know you you you'll continue to soar. So yeah, I, I appreciate you for that, man. Um, so last question, bro. What would you say is Anthony Ferguson's after effect of his entire athletic career? Obviously, I'm sure you started playing sports at a young age. Uh, uh you ascended in high school. You you earned several scholarship offers. You attended University of Iowa, where you know you played football there for a year before deciding to walk away. What were some lessons that you learned that that you know you would tell? young adults and people in your organizations now and you know essentially just as you try to push the culture forward
1: mm-hmm. yeah I, I i think it would be about um this introspection all right that that getting centered figuring out who you are what your purpose is what your passion is i mean i you know i, I can't emphasize that enough mm-hmm. once you once you stand on solid ground in your own life once you know that you have a strong foundation, uh, morally, ethic, ethically, uh, and spiritually. Once you have that, uh, there's not much that's going to be able to to, to knock you off your block, to, to knock you from where you from where you stand. And um, mm-hmm. I think that has really uh, helped me in all aspects of my life, from you know deciding on Iowa to deciding to leave the football team to deciding, hey, I'm going to stay here at this institution. I'm going to stay in this yes. state. And maximize, um, maximize the, the, my potential, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I think that's that's what I, I would leave folks with: is find that foundation in your life, you know, your reason for being, your your raison d'être. Find that in life and and stick to it, you know. Put that yeah. first. I, I, yeah. I think that's what I would I would leave folks with, and 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 I always say, give. Uh, yeah. If you're giving. Um, you will certainly be blessed in, in your life.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's a powerful after effect, bro. And I appreciate your honest candor on that subject. Um, so that's actually all I have, bro. Something I've been trying to pride myself on. 2020 was the weirdest year to date. We've never walked through a coronavirus pandemic. We've experienced deaths, pe- family members getting sick, yeah. things of that nature. So I've been trying to ensure that I give God's flowers while we're still here. All the awards, all the accolades, all the degrees, all the amazing jobs, I mean, all the organizations, everything that you've accomplished, bro, I just want to give you your love and say I'm proud of you. Keep going. Uh, keep inspiring us all, whether older, small, uh, younger. Uh, I'm, I'm a bit older than you, but but you've inspired me. Uh, you, and I just want to give you those flowers and show you that love face-to-face, man-to-man, you know, while we both still here.
1: Absolutely. Brother, I appreciate you. I appreciate you for creating this platform, man, for, for voices to be shared. It is uh, certainly an important um you know voices certainly have the power to make change man and and you're doing mm-hmm. that through the platform so um yeah I, I you know again i never thought i'd be here talking about that experience right when i <laughs> yeah it's like yeah. a different chapter in my life so it, this has been super, this has been very therapeutic for me as well just yeah. being able to to reconnect man i appreciate you for allowing me uh, to speak here certainly
0: oh uh, oh absolutely man and i definitely plan to 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 have you on maybe have you on in the future maybe from like a round table aspect Uh, i'm still conjuring it up in my head who i can get um that would that would create some good perspective and different topics we we could discuss but yeah i I look forward to speaking in the future let's then i finally got your number now let's definitely keep in contact um and yeah man we'll, we'll be speaking down the road all right brother man you take care all right you take care man happy sunday yep all right Yeah, guys. So, again, I thought that was a very powerful episode 48. Um, Anthony Ferguson, doctor, and, and change that, Dr. Anthony Ferguson has a, a, a super powerful story, as you can see. Um, was one of the few that I had never saw walked away from the program, you know, at an early time after his freshman year. And You can see what he did ever since he walked away. I mean, um, a master's in mental health counseling, a, a doctorate in educational leadership, studying abroad in three different countries. Um, He's held a lot of different jobs, you know, over the years. The Power of Secrets um, feature on TED Talk. That's a 30 million subscriber platform on YouTube and now is the executive director of Equity, Inclusion and Diversity for the West Des Moines Community Schools. I mean, what an honor to even have him on. But, you know, we were teammates for a year in 2010. We were pretty cool. We used to to talk during practice on the sidelines. Uh, uh, got along pretty well um, but like I told him at the beginning of the interview the things that he was doing at such a young age it kind of went over my head as far as uh, the organizations he was starting and trying to find a voice for black people at a predominantly white institution it kind of went over my head because I think we get so immersed in the grind in the everyday grind of what we're trying to do what we're trying to accomplish that we 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 don't see you know those those things like that those people's those kinds of people's efforts like that. So I thought that was so powerful and I'm excited to have him on in the future for some roundtables of the sort, Uh, especially with him being a a licensed therapist and and, and a doctorate on the educational leadership side uh, uh, and really knowing and understanding what equity is, what inclusion is, what diversity is too. So um, again, if you you watch this whole episode, please leave a comment if you have a question, Um, if you, Listen to this on audio. Please leave a review. Please, please, please uh, rank us. Leave a star for this episode. And yeah, until the next episode, peace.